This is GW News, live from Berlin. Deter and defend a dramatic escalation in the crisis over Ukraine. The Pentagon sends 3,000 troops to beef up the American presence in Eastern Europe. Russia denounces the deployment as destructive and likely to increase tensions. Also coming up, Israel backpedals on vaccine passes. Experts say they could create a false sense of security because the Omicron variant is infecting even people who are fully vaccinated. Cases there still at record levels. Hospitals struggling to keep up. I'm Leila Hark. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we open this broadcast with late developments in the crisis over Ukraine. The Kremlin is calling a decision by the U.S. to send extra forces to Europe a, quote, destructive step. Earlier, U.S. President Joe Biden approved the deployment of 3,000 troops to Eastern Europe amid rising tensions with Russia. 1,000 of those troops will be sent from U.S. Army bases in Germany to Romania. An additional 2,000 will be sent from the U.S. to Germany and Poland. They're expected to arrive later this week. Well, this announcement is in addition to the 8,500 U.S. troops put on alert last month. And the Pentagon says the personnel, the troops, will not fight in Ukraine, but are being sent to reassure NATO allies as concerns grow over conflict with Russia. The current situation demands that we reinforce the deterrent and defensive posture on NATO's eastern flank. President Biden has been clear that the United States will respond to the growing threat to Europe's security and stability. Our commitment to NATO, Article 5, and collective defense remains ironclad. As part of this commitment, and to be prepared for a range of contingencies, the United States will soon move additional forces to Romania, Poland, and Germany. All right, we have team coverage for you. DW's Terry Schultz is in Brussels, where NATO is headquartered, and Oliver Salat is in Washington. Oliver, I want to go to you first. Why this deployment now? Has the security situation changed? Well, Leila, you just heard the Pentagon spokesperson, uh, John Kirby, uh, speak. So he basically outlines that this decision comes as a response to the ongoing Russian troop buildup, uh, not only in western Russia near the Ukrainian border, but also in Belarus. So Russia continues to send troops into the area. And that, of course, is a concern for the United States as well for its allies. And what Kirby also said is that the U.S. continues to be not sure if Putin really decided uh, to invade Ukraine, but it certainly has the capability to do so and therefore he made clear that these troops these 3,000 troops that are sent to the region now are not sent there to engage with Russian troops neither are they sent there to enter Ukrainian soil so what we are looking here at right now is a symbolic move given that some 60,000 US troops are already stationed in Europe an additional 3,000 is really not as much as a big number also, if you consider that uh, 100,000 Russian troops are waiting on the other side. So the ultimate goal here really is, uh, is a troop deployment in order to deter Russia from sending its troops to the Ukraine, to raise that price tag should Putin decide to do so, and if necessary, also to defend neighboring NATO countries. Uh, Terry, in Brussels, could we see NATO send additional resources to Eastern Europe? 
Well, Leila, every time the U.S. makes a move and says that it is in support of NATO, that, of course, boosts NATO's deterrent and reassurance effect. And certainly when you send U.S. troops, uh, it has a quality that I think anyone in NATO would would admit um, raises the stakes for Moscow quite a bit. So uh, this is in in defense of, of NATO. Um, but yes, I do expect to see other NATO allies step up, as some have done in recent days. Uh, the U.K. has announced uh, significant new deployments, doubling its forces in Estonia, for example, sending new defensive equipment. The Netherlands and Denmark are sending fighter jets and frigates. And another thing that I expect to be coming down the line later this month is that defense ministers will meet here in Brussels in the middle of the month. And I would expect that there you will see a force approved for Romania, like the enhanced for forward presence uh, units that we have now in the Baltic states and Poland. This is something Romania has asked for for a long time. France is willing to lead it. And I expect with all the pressure now from the Kremlin, the uncertainty that we will see that approved at the defense minister's meeting here in Brussels later this month. Terry Schultz reporting from Brussels and Oliver Salad from Washington. Thank you both for your coverage. Joining us now is Rodrich Kiesewetter. He sits in the German parliament for the opposition party, the Christian Democrats, and is a member of the Bundestag Foreign Affairs Committee. Very warm welcome to DW News, sir. Um, now, as you've heard, the U.S. says uh, these troops that will be deployed this week will not be fighting in Ukraine. But in your assessment, is this the right moment to be deploying U.S. troops to Germany? Well, I believe this is a strong symbol to the European allies. It's a moderate and deliberate step, and it should encourage European partners to stand together and as a symbol for cohesiveness. It's less a sign towards Russia. It's a sign of solidarity to the European uh, NATO member states. And I think this is a good sign. It's moderate. It's deliberate. It's not escalatory. But how do you think it will be perceived by the Kremlin? I mean, the U.S. State Department has talked about the need for de-escalation. With this deployment, does it risk escalating tensions? No, we should ask Russia why they deploy more than 100,000 troops. And by the end of February, more than 150,000 troops, about 60 percent of their armed land forces. This is escalatory. And it's quite clear that we Europeans are really nervous and we see this as an escalation without any need. Russia has breached the Budapest Memorandum. Ukraine has handed over more than 20 years ago its nuclear weapons. And now it loses sovereignty and territorial integrity. So we Europeans must stand together. And it's a sign of solidarity to, from the United States to us Europeans. It's not escalatory to Russia. We should ask Russia, why do you escalate at the Ukrainian border? Are you worried that Germany could become a kind of a launch pad for any military activity if the security situation in Ukraine deteriorates? Germany has a task and a mission, and we should stand together with our allies. And Germany has received security for more than four decades uh, within NATO, and now we should become a security provider. So I really am grateful for this uh, American and engagement three years ago with Trump. This was unimaginable. Uh, and so we see that Biden uh, fosters the transatlantic relationship and Germany must play a role in it. 
To that uh, end, sir, is it time that Germany steps up to the plate and does itself more to support Ukraine militarily? Well, uh, Germany um, has uh, quite empty stockpiles regarding ammunition and other equipment. So we should reconsider a reform of our armed forces and we should become more reliable in encouraging and uh, supporting our eastern neighbors. And what is also at stake is to improve diplomacy. So I am really uh, grateful for the foreign minister that she traveled to uh, Russia and to Ukraine. And I ask uh, Olaf Scholz, the chancellor, not only to travel to Washington, but also to Ukraine, to Kiev, and that we become a strong European voice, uh, which is also listened to by Putin. We Europeans need a stronger own commitment so that not Putin and Biden negotiate uh, about the security and future of Europe. We really need uh, to take over the uh, US offer for uh, for a stronger European force and a European defense. And we should take care and invest more in our own security. And there's Germany really um, uh, in the forefront uh, to improve its own security. In conclusion, sir, and is there to fulfill any, its commitments? To fulfill its commitments. To that end as well, and in conclusion, my final question to you. Is there anything that Germany can do to offer the Russian president, President Vladimir Putin, so he can climb down from this situation without losing face? I believe it's not up to Germany to do this. It's up to Putin. But what we need is that Putin declares the exercise as ended and he declares this escalation as an exercise. This would be helpful. On the other side, um, we need uh, new negotiations about uh, conventional and nuclear troop reductions. We need trust building measures. We need a new system of uh, armaments control. I believe this could be if the crisis is overcome, I hope so, um, that then we start a new negotiation agreement on conventional disarmament in Europe. Rodrich Kiesewetter is a lawmaker in the German parliament for the opposition party, the Christian Democrats, and he's also a member of the Bundestag Foreign Affairs uh, Committee. Sir, thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good evening. Let's bring you up to speed now with the other stories in the headlines right now. The European Commission has given the green light for some nuclear energy and natural gas investments to be labeled as sustainable. Officials say private investment can contribute to climate goals, but critics warn the legislation jeopardizes the target of achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. Austria says it is considering a legal challenge to the ruling. Women, study, women students rather, are back at some of Afghanistan's universities in a significant concession by the Taliban. Colleges in around a fifth of the provinces have readmitted women, but classes are segregated. The Taliban rulers have been under pressure to improve women's rights since seizing power last year. Germany and the U.S. have rejected the word apartheid in connection with Israel. Amnesty International published a report accusing Israel of practicing segregation, dispossession and exclusion against Palestinians. Amnesty said its findings were based on the seizure of Palestinian land and the forcible transfer of people. Israel has rejected the findings.
precisely the Israelis may soon be able to put away their vaccine passes. Israel was one of the first countries to introduce the pass. But starting Sunday, the pass will only be required in high-risk areas, such as hospitals, where healthcare workers are battling record COVID-19 infections. Since the early morning, Yael Liron has been on duty on a COVID ward. An elderly patient needs oxygen and some comforting words. The COVID wards at this hospital in Tel Aviv are extremely busy. There are a lot of cases. We have new intakes every day. When one is released, another is submitted at night. Numbers are on the rise. We always experience a delay. Even when the general infection rate seems lower, we at the hospital are still dealing with the higher numbers from the two weeks previously. Though overall Omicron infection rates show signs of slowing down, the number of patients in hospital remains high. Israel was one of the first countries in the world to roll out a rapid vaccination program. Over 65% of the population have been vaccinated twice, but only 48% have had a third booster shot so far. In January, those in the most vulnerable categories were offered a fourth. During this wave, most of our patients have been elderly. It reminds us of the flu. The complications are comparable. People are dying now the way they would die from the flu. Also, fewer people are dying of Omicron. Most patients on this ward are vaccinated elderly people with underlying health conditions. Working on the ward is exhausting for everyone. Adding to this, hospitals, like other institutions, are struggling with staff shortages. Due to the highly contagious Omicron variant, high numbers of doctors and nurses are in quarantine. It's difficult. It's the fifth time we've been at full capacity here in Israel, but we're dealing with it. That's just how it is, as they say, and it's our job to look after patients. But it's definitely hard, and there's a lot of burnout among the staff. We have to work very hard, but we're happy to do what's necessary. But yes, it's exhausting, and it doesn't look like it's going to end soon. Although, I am personally cautiously optimistic. For now, everybody here must keep going, doing the best they can for the ongoing influx of patients and hoping that the peak of the current wave will soon subside. Stick with us, Doc Films up next, and I'll see you tomorrow.